and we're going to show up Saturday at 11 o'clock and kick off and play football. Longhorn Nation, we're back! All right, y'all, welcome back to yet another episode of Fire the Cannon. I'm Megan. I'm Rocky. And today we have a super special guest with us. She's the sports director at CBS4 in the Valley. She is a Colgate soccer athlete, a rescuer of cats, and one of our favorite Longhorns. (laughs) Today we've got Amanda Atwell joining us. So welcome, welcome. It is so, so wonderful to have you here. How are you doing? It's so good to be here and perfect timing after my first game I got to go to this season. Yeah, it's a little hard to get to games working in sports, but even though I'm paid to watch them, it's a little (laughs) hard to get to them, but I'm glad I could finally get back up there, even though it was a awful drive to get there for an 11 a.m. kickoff, but we made it. That's all right, though. That's dedication. You drive up from the Valley for an 11 a.m. game that you know that you are committed to being there. That's, that's yes. Awesome. Yes. And they gave us a great performance. So I'm not yeah, mad about absolutely. it. Absolutely. All right. So it was your first game back, you know, in a, mm-hmm. in a little bit. What do you think of the atmosphere? What do you think of everything going on? Well, actually, the last game I went to was Texas, Texas Tech in 2019. So I didn't go to a single game last year because of COVID and everything and just having to work as well. It was just a little bit too hard, which is sad because when I took the job in the Valley, I was like, great, I'll be so much closer. I can go to games because I was in Amarillo before and Amarillo to Austin is not a fun drive. Um, But then COVID hit. So it was when I went in 2019, they had just started all the Bevo Boulevard stuff. Del Conte was redoing all of the game day atmosphere and you could see what it was going to be. But this time I think it really like you can tell how awesome it's become and the fans stayed the entire game. It, it was just much different from when I was in college as well. <laughs> right. Right. Well, it helps when you're putting a good product on the field, right? That's what yes. Mark keeps saying, like they're going to do their part to keep the crowd into it. And I think they're doing a good job. Yes, I was there the entire Charlie Strong tenure. So, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Not a great time. There were some highs and lows for sure. Yeah, talk yeah, about his, that dedication, right? Showing up to to those games. That's uh, that. And that I was had that. friends that went to other Big Twelve schools that would come and visit me to go to the game, and I'm just like. Great. My friend from OSU is down here having a great time watching her team win. And I'm just not happy. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, I was a little spoiled when I was at UT because I was there for, you know, the 05 national championship, the Vince Young years. Mm. Uh, you know, I got to watch baseball do real well, win a natty, football win a natty, and basketball, right. you know, it's the I at least five team. I grew up watching that. So I grew up thinking that Texas couldn't lose football games. And then I got to college and I was like, oh, they indeed can lose a lot of a <laughs> little bit of a harsh wake up call at that point. Right. Yeah. yeah. Tell everybody, Amanda, I know people follow you on Twitter and tell them where to find you and then tell us where you're what you're working on, where you're at, what's, what you have going on. Well, I so you can find me on Twitter at Amanda M. Atwell. I'm very active on there. Um, Try to not take anything I say too seriously because I am very dry and sarcastic. Um, but so I'm, <laughs> I'm in the valley right now. So I actually I probably will only be in the valley like another two months, most likely. My contract's up. 
Um, can't really talk about where I'm going next, but should be a fun move. We'll have to see. I'm still trying to work that out. But right now we're just in the heat of football season, heat of Friday night football. I do a 20-minute Friday night high school football show every uh, week, and that's pretty exhausting, but it's a ton of fun at the same time. It's my favorite part of this job. Um, I love college football, but I really like watching. I like being able to watch high school players develop into those athletes that you see on Saturdays. Like, I'm sure you remember Keontae Ingram. I covered him in Carthage when I was in Shreveport and I actually followed him to win a state title that year. So to watch him go to UT as well, it was pretty cool. And it's just fun to watch these kids develop and get better. And I kind of got into this because I played college sports. Um, I played at a tiny private school called Centenary College of Louisiana. Um, I wanted to go to Texas initially and I got into Texas initially, but my parents basically told me scholarship, yeah, I got a big scholarship to go to Centenary, which I'm glad I went, got a great experience there. And then I got a transfer to UT. There you so go. that's kind of my background, what got me into sports and just that's what I'm working on right now. I love it. I love it. So who was your favorite player? Was it Ingram like to cover while, while you've or so far, I shouldn't say was. I is. feel like I can't, it's hard to pick a favorite because I've watched so many of them grow up and some of them, some of them are still in college. So, um, this one kid in Amarillo, his name was Lawton Reichel. He's now at SFA. And so watching him be really successful in Amarillo through the years and then go on to SFA. Um, we had another one that actually went to OU and then now he's at Arizona State. So he's another one I'd like to watch grow up. And then I'm trying to think who else. We didn't have many people go to UT from Amarillo because it's Texas Tech country. I did get to cover a lot of Texas Tech football. And my fun fact about covering Texas Tech football is I was there for three football seasons. I went to every single home game for the most part, with the exception of the Kansas game, because I figured there was no point and (laughs) preseason games because they had pretty trash preseason schedules. They did not win a single game. Over three years. I mean, oh, wow. against a big I like it. You're, you're like the juju that Texas wanted to oh, put they, on. And the people in the press box were like, you're here again. Why did you come? <laughs> you're our bad juju. And then the last game I covered for them, they finally won. And I was like, okay, I can leave them on a good, and it wasn't Texas. So I was fine with them winning. Hey, you're so like, I can leave them on a good note. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that they went so long because this year, you know, with the seniors have never lost at Texas Tech, right? The, the four and mm-hmm. the seniors now are four and against Texas Tech. So that's pretty cool. Well, some of them are going to be five years. Hopefully they can finish out next year. Again, yeah. like five years to play this time. But yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I think the statistic was when I was there. So my last year there was kind of the end of the 2019 football season. Mm-hmm. And it had been since I'm pretty sure. 2016 that they had beat a big 12 school at home that wasn't Kansas it had been that long so we had the Charlie Strong years like you said it could always be worse Texas fans so they would always Texas Tech is very used to 11 a.m kickoff so they have no excuse to have not been awake (laughs) this weekend um because I covered a whole lot of 11 a.m kickoffs at Texas Tech and Man, I get in the stadium, it's 15 minutes till kick, and it looks like there it was there were maybe an eighth of the stadium full in there. They it was hard for them to wake up. But I mean, I kind of you kind of got a feel for them, but not really, but a little bit. 
I, I don't I feel for them. Me. Never. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> they don't feel for me. So I don't no. feel for them. No, and kidding. let me tell you, they were not very nice. When I was there. A lot of the time there's, there's, there's exceptions to every rule, but they're not a very nice. I've been hit with a couple tortillas. It's not a great time. <laughs> yeah. That, that has been my experience in Lubbock for the most part as well. Now I will say, you know, I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times. Like I, I go to all the games, I'm going to wait for Texas. And I, I will concede that Texas fan experiences typically are different than other teams fan experiences, mm-hmm. right? Like everyone mm-hmm. loves to hate Texas. We, we talk about that, mm-hmm. not, but uh, yeah, Lubbock used to be one of my absolute least favorite places to go. Not because of the game, not because of the, you know, the, the game atmosphere itself, mm-hmm. but the people, the fans were just so atrocious, man. Mm-hmm. I've had... I've been spit on before there. I've had oh, you know, no. car, like people messing with the vehicle and I, I wouldn't Clyde out there just mm-hmm. for that reason. Right. But it, it had been a pretty awful experience out there, but the last couple of years hadn't been too terrible. Uh, you know, COVID, I guess we'll kind of, I feel like there's off. a certain level of apathy with them now when it comes to yeah. football, at least. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it used to be you go out to Lubbock and they were, you know, even if they weren't a fantastic team, they were still rabid and they were still excited. Yeah. For, they got up for their games, but I'd agree with that. The last few years, they've just kind of been like, meh, at least you're coming to Lubbock. Thanks. I mean, they don't even have a, they don't even have a coach that can at least develop quarterbacks anymore. I mean, Pat Mahomes strung, strung them along for so many years. And I will say as much as I talk down on Texas tech, Pat Mahomes is one of my favorite people. Oh, everyone and loves just, him. He is <laughs> just like the guy, right? He is just a, he's, it's, it's, he's one of those that you could watch. He from small town, East Texas just grew up and now he's this head of a franchise and is doing so well. And I can't help but not be happy for him. And I like the chiefs. So, and he's such just such a good dude. And he's, funny and it seems like he works really hard but doesn't take himself seriously you know he does the fun commercials Mm and you know everybody we see a million commercials with what's his uh (laughs) OU Baker thank you I'm trying to forget him from my life uh you know and and (laughs) Baker's just not like as much as he wants to be witty or cute in these commercials he's just not a likable dude and no but Mahomes like he's just such a likable dude yeah and he's so talented and that's great Yep. Yeah. Yeah. One of my really good friends, she was actually Baker's college girlfriend. So that's my reason for not liking Baker because he was not nice to her. Yeah. Not a nice guy at all. But Pat well, let's just see us the next 45 minutes talking about that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just on the dude. More. I can probably call her. And get her to chat oh, yeah. Put her on right now. We want to hear all the juice. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. What's well, funny, though, she is now a she was a sportscaster in Lubbock while he would come into Lubbock and play when he was at OU, she went to OSU. She is now a sportscaster in Cleveland. Oh, <laughs> so she's got to cover him. <laughs> yep. So she gets up like, and she's like, yeah, so then Baker Mayfield did this and then moves on to other things. <laughs> like, Yeah, no, she's, she's the most professional about it and she does such a good job and I'm proud of her. She just got this job and so it's been really good. But yeah, it's a very interesting storyline. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that is crazy. Well, and Cleveland's a big that's that's a big market. So yeah, it's town. a good it's a good job. It's a good job for a sportscaster. If that's you don't mind the cold weather, I guess it would be. <laughs> I would be miserable. Yeah, that would be my one beef with it. I, yeah, I'd rather do like a San Diego or a Tampa Bay. <laughs> where there's good sports, but good weather. 
Rocky's yeah. good, like getting famous out there as long as it's in, you know, nice tropic climates. And yeah. And I can't go 70 degrees out and he's not going to happen. <laughs> Even Amarillo was a little cold for me. Yeah. Oh, and yes. I like the cold. And to me, Amarillo is, it's either insanely, insanely hot. I mean, I, I wish Hannah was on right now. And a quick program note, Hannah is out with laryngitis. Poor girl sounds like she has to whisper uh, for, for oh. so she's, she's out, but you know, she's an Amarillo girl. And I just don't, I don't know that I would be loving the 105 degree heat for most of the summer. And then you go straight into now it's windy. And with the wind chill, it's negative 32. I have a very stark memory of being in Amarillo and I lost my purse on New Year's Eve. So I'm going back out to where we were on New Year's Eve. There's nobody in the streets. It is zero degrees with a wind chill of negative 20. And I'm like searching the streets for this purse that I dropped somewhere. And I'm just like, you know, this, this ain't it. Did you find it? Oh yes, I did. A girl found it and she, uh, returned it to me, which was good. See, that's that's the thing about Amarillo. Yeah, Yeah, no, there's Amarillo has some of the nicest people you'll ever encounter. When I lived up there, I left my laptop in a bin in the, it's the TSA line in the airport and the TSA guys just coming around the terminal looking for me with the bin. laptop. And I'm like, yeah, that would never happen at DFW. No, somebody who's got a new laptop. Exactly. All right. Well, as long as we're talking about the plains of Texas and uh, everything (laughs) goes on up there you, you like that little mm. bring it transition there it is. yeah let's let let's talk about tech let's talk about tech now you know texas went in the line moved a lot we started as a 13 and a half point favorite it dropped down to eight and a half kind of bounced around there for a while right and then texas shows up and just knocks the socks off of texas tech so let's talk about that 70 35 what what were y'all's reactions to that did you see everything you wanted to? i think at one point at the end of the game, I remember looking at my friend and I was just like, I want 80. Yes. <laughs> I want a hundred. It's like, we have to keep going. And then what did we do? We put in our third string quarterback, which I guess, I mean, got to do what you got to do at that point. Somebody was, I, 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 some, after these games, I like to go and look at like the Texas tech fan page, fan pages and just see what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I, I love going to Viva the Matadors because they just are so salty about everything. And they were at one point they're like, I think it was pretty trashy how Texas ran up the score like that. I'm like, no, it's, 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 it's a football. big 12 game. Our buddy CB, you know, he, he found some people like they're running up the score. And then he went back and put like the last 10 times that tech put 70 plus on people. And they had no problem running up the score on other people when they had a hot and heavy offense. So for anyone from tech to, and he only went back a few years and found how many times they went mm-hmm. up to 70 on people. So nobody from tech should worry about it. And I like the old coaching adage that it's not my job to not score. It's exactly. your job to not keep me from scoring. I mean, to keep me from scoring. So I, I have no problem if, if even with our third string or, you know, backups, you can't keep us out of the end zone. That's a you problem. Yeah. I mean, they've done it to us when they could. <laughs> and my thing was, I, I was pretty surprised at how just visibly incompetent the tech defense looked they that was if I was a tech fan I I would say fire everyone (laughs) that was one of the most atrocious defensive performances I've ever seen in the big 12 
Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. And, and you know, we we hear for years and years, oh, Big 12 doesn't play defense, Big 12, because we've had these prolific offenses, right? Mm-hmm. And look, I have been screaming Casey's praises for a while. He was on fire. And I'm telling mm-hmm. you, our, our, we're definitely playing different football behind Casey Thompson than mm-hmm. we did a little bit earlier in the season. But I, I have to agree. It just seemed like an absolute meltdown. And yeah, I think you're right. There have been, uh, I've seen at least a bunch of texts, you know, the techies are definitely starting to say, Hey, this ain't it. This, you know, this was embarrassing having the reactions that you would expect them to have, but man, I mean that it, just, it they failed on every level. It, it watching really- some of those, watching back some of the plays, I'm just looking at them and I'm just like, how, how is this what they put on the football? Oh. Well, I think the one, and, and we can ask, cause I heard this asked on the radio this week and I'm like, that's a great question. I want to ask that too. Um, at what point did you know it was over for tech? And there was a few points where like, Ooh, they are, they're done. But to Second me, quarter. coaching decision, like I know their quarterback ended up having a broken collarbone, the starter, right. Mm-hmm. He ended up having a broken collarbone and I hope, you know, he heals quickly and he's fine. But, um, the, the it was the pick six, the Josh Thompson pick six, mm-hmm. and then within a few plays, they have a new quarterback and the coach decides to go for it on fourth and forever on their own. Mm-hmm. Path, right. And at that point, I'm like, it, and it's not so much that you just put in the backup. It's that there can't be confidence at that moment at the quarterback position, mm-hmm. you know, like your other one just went out injured. They just threw a pick six. Like you're in your own end. There's nothing happening on offense. Now let me, instead of punting and giving him a chance to get coached up for a minute from what he's seeing, let me make him go for it, not get it. And then Texas scores within two seconds. Like, I don't, at what point was that good coaching? I don't, I don't get it. And the thing is, I was in, I was in Amarillo when Matt Wells was hired. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was there when Cliff Kingsbury, when they fired him and they hired Matt Wells. I have never once been impressed with Matt Wells from his opening press conference. I went to, it was not inspiring to me at all. And I thought to myself, I mean, maybe, maybe he can do something here, but it just never seemed like there was any innovation. It never really seemed like they had, they've done terrible recruiting the past couple of years. They can't even hold a candle to anybody else in the state of Texas with recruiting, which isn't, shouldn't be the case for what is supposed to be one of the major Texas universities. You need to compete with Texas and Texas, Texas A&M on some level, and they have not been. And I don't really know what the answer is for them, but of course that's not our problem, <laughs> but it was I just, say keep him. He's great. Exactly. Keep him around. I mean, and it, it, it kind of makes me think about how Tom Herman was just constantly like winning is hard. Winning shouldn't be hard against a team like Texas tech. And I think I really like how Sarkeesian has kind of shown that it really isn't that hard, especially if you're putting up 70. But yeah. what I didn't like was the fact that they still scored 35. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, listen, when we beat Rice 58 to nothing, a shutout is a shutout. I don't care who you're playing. A mm-hmm. shutout is is always fantastic. And to put up 58 points in a shutout, additionally, awesome. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, did, I will say I got a little greedy, too. You know, I had some mm-hmm. friends sitting with me and they're like, has anybody ever scored a hundred points in a football game? I was like, it sure feels like <laughs> in we a conference game. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I, you know, it sure feels like we could here, but I agree. I think there's still a lot of things we need to clean up on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think our, our secondary is still, still struggling a little bit. Linebackers mm-hmm. are really stepping up. 
Um, but, but secondary is getting torched. Now, what mm-hmm. I did like to see is it, they seem to have short memories, which is, mm-hmm. you gotta have that from your guys, right? Mm-hmm. So they give up a play that they probably shouldn't, but then they're right back in at the next play. So I, I definitely agree with that. Um, but where, where do you want to see improvement on our defense, on Texas defense? Mm-hmm. What do you think we could have done better? And what do you think we could have done to keep, you know, and please don't say, oh, just keep it out of the end zone. Come on, come on, give it, give us the dirt. What do you think we could have done better? I think we just really need to focus on stopping explosive plays because there were a couple of them that were just, I mean, why is, why is this team able to make that explosive play happen? And obviously Texas is a team or tech is a team who's been known for having an explosive style offense, but that hasn't really been the case as much under Matt Wells. And there were just a couple of them. I just remember watching. I was just like, how, how, how did we completely miss that coverage? And so, like you said, primarily the secondary is where I think some of the big changes need to be seen. What I will say, another thing I did like, was the offensive line and how much the offensive line looked comparatively to when we played Arkansas. Right. I'll, I'll say like on the first for the secondary, there was one where I want to say it was schooler and Josh Thompson, someone on the side, like they banged ran into into each each other other (laughs) and knocked each other out of the defensive stop. And that was just one of those freak things that they just were both right at the spot, right at the ball. Mm -hmm. And, missed each other and then the receiver got to slip through and he was of course gone because the two people in perfect coverage took each other out that was kind of weird one of the touchdowns was of course that horrible kick return that why did they get Mm -hmm. a million yard kick return that was crazy Um, but I do love what you mentioned about the O-line because they we talked about this a couple weeks ago like okay they're gonna really roll the dice on coaching them up they're not gonna make changes that people are getting to play and rotate in but they're not they're, they're rolling the dice that they trust their coaching. Um, and that's what I was, was worried that they weren't making the lineup changes, mm-hmm. but you're right. They're, they're improved. And this is what coach Sark had to say about the O-line improvement. Well, I think one thing is, you know, when you're running the football, the line of scrimmage is moving in, in a forward direction. You know, I think that we're trusting um, the communication amongst one another. There's, there's not as much hesitation. I think we're using much better, you know, fundamentals and techniques to, to make the blocks. Uh, and then when we're getting there, I think we're getting there with a much nastier demeanor. Uh, that's, that's part of offensive line play. You know, we're, we're cerebral in a lot of what we do and there's design and there's scheme and, and there's communication. But at the end of the day, you still have to defeat your man. And I think that was something that we had to kind of get that point across that it's one thing to be assignment sound and, and be in front of the man you're supposed to block. It's another to win the, win the play and dominate the man and move the man in a direction to create holes. And I thought that has been probably uh, a big of a step as we've made here the last two weeks is that we're really f- sustaining and finishing blocks much better than we did you know, for the first couple games of the year. So, um, yes, I think we're playing better together and the communication is better and all that. Uh, but I think we're playing a lot more nasty, a lot more physical. And, um, you know, that's, that's what you got to have up front. All right. Do you agree? They're nastier and more physical. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's an important statement because it just sounds a whole lot different than what you would hear Terman or Terman. Tom Herman, Herman say after uh, these games, I just feel like there's, there's less of an excuse. There's less excuses. It's more of, 
we're we're seeing these issues just like the fans are seeing these issues and we're working to address them and coach them up instead of like you said, bringing in, try out the replacements. A lot of people, I've seen a lot of people post that if Casey Thomas had been in, we might've beat Arkansas. I don't really think that's the case because I don't think Casey Thompson was the only issue against Arkansas. Like we said, the offensive line couldn't protect Hudson Card at all. And then of course, Hudson Card, I don't think was ready for that atmosphere in that sense. So I do think, I, I agree with that very much. Yeah, so so that's one thing I, I will argue a little bit with you on. I, I agree. I think your take on it is is what a lot of people are saying. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm out in the dark here, but what I was seeing in Arkansas, the O-line, and, and I've I've been saying this, this O-line is serviceable. I, I don't mm-hmm. think they're gonna be world beaters, but I do think we are seeing the coach flood effect, right? These guys mm-hmm. are getting coached up, they are improving every game. What I saw at Arkansas wasn't necessarily, yeah, there were some breakdowns with the O-line, but it wasn't, to me, it wasn't all on the O-line. It, what I was seeing in Arkansas was Hudson Card just wasn't ready. He was holding on to the ball too long. He wasn't he making those, his decision-making was right. He, he wasn't seeing with the field, it. And, and when he couldn't see the field, he wasn't making the decision to tuck it and run. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was putting the O-line in a really, really difficult mm-hmm. position to try to hold long and long. And, and we're finding out that this Arkansas team is actually really dang good. Which is exactly what I wanted to have. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, goodness. I hope Arkansas wins out now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I, Georgia. I will never openly root for the pigs, but look, oh, I was saying woo pig suey for that. <laughs> I, I love it. I mean, maybe I, maybe I said that in a few private messages that that might've happened. But I don't, I don't recall any messages from you, Megan, cheering for Arkansas. I, I do not recall. I appreciate that. Solidarity. <laughs> But yeah, I, I definitely, you know, again, I don't think this O-line is an O-line that we'd see at an Alabama, you know, coach game. I, look, but they're getting it done and they're improving. CJ Vogel actually put something up on Twitter um, with the O-line improvement per week. Now, this is by quarterback hurries allowed. So against Louisiana, there were eight quarterback hurries allowed. Arkansas, nine. Again, we'll factor in, you know, the away. A better D-line, right? Better mm-hmm. D-line, Right. Against Rice, it was two, and against Tech, it was one. So we're mm-hmm. definitely seeing that come down. Now, getting into the thick of we're going into TCU, we're going into OU, we've got the tough meat of our schedule coming up with you know TCU, OU, and then followed immediately by Oklahoma State. So I think that's going to be the true testament of how much this O-line has gotten nasty you know, and how much they've really improved. But I'm happy with what I'm seeing. Um, you know, and I, what I also like is that in these past couple games, not only has the O-line been able to improve, but we've, we've also been able to develop the depth behind the starting O-line, which I think is important when you get into this more difficult conference play. So when you have somebody go out in previous years, we have somebody hurt. It's all bets are off now. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and I'll give her band a little bit of credit. He had a lot of guys that ended up hurt. And so he mm-hmm. had to work some crazy, you know, crazy matchups just to put bodies in the hole. Right there. Mm-hmm. He, he had some difficult situations now. Um, but yeah, I, I look, I have a lot of faith in flood in this coaching staff mm-hmm. and we are starting to see those guys develop. I, you know, and I've said this too, I'd love to see more tope. I, mm-hmm. I think that kid has bled for, for and this Eric, program. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, again, we know that Coburn has been struggling a little bit. I, mm-hmm. I'd like to see Carrick get the, get the opportunity more because every time he's in man, he is pancaking people. He's showing up. He's, he's probably one of the nastiest ones out there when he's on mm-hmm. the field and you love to see it. So, you know, and, and even Hayden Connor, like this is a big mm-hmm. kid, smart kid, good football brain, and he is ready to go in. So, mm-hmm. I do love these, these scores when we get, we get up into the, the 70 points and we get mm-hmm. higher up in there. Uh, and some of our, our backups are getting a little bit more of that real playing time. That's, that's great. Um, but let me ask you this. Now that we're at a point that our O-line is steadily improving, is it something where you don't mess with the mix and you stick with what you've got and you keep developing these guys? Or do you want to mix it up a little bit more? I think you could go either way there. And I think it, that's something where it depends on who you're playing, who, who is across from you. Is it a situation where you're going to need to mix it up? I think going into TCU, it would be wise for them to stick with what's been working, stick with what's worked at Texas tech. TCU is kind of a team that has been the Achilles heel of Texas for the past 10 years and it's painful yeah I am from Fort Worth it's (laughs) it's not a great time um I I don't want to see it messed with going into TCU but I, I think they need to continue to work out those kinks obviously it's working the way it is so why mess with it yet when you go into TCU see if this TCU team exposes any areas that we couldn't see with a Texas tech offense. And then from there recalibrate when you go into a team like OU, which I, th- I think, I think OU is a little bit, not as good as people think they are. A lot, not as good. I, I yes. Yeah. They are uh, not looking like a top 10 team. But somehow I, they still are. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I think that the, What's really, really helping the O-line is the play calling. Mm -hmm. Um, Sark talks a lot about putting them in the best position to win. And he sees early on what the weaknesses are moving to a lot more outside zone, getting the Mm -hmm. two or three tight ends, two running backs, more help up on the line blocking a lot more decoy with multiple running backs on the field of who's actually going to get the handoff or the screen or whatever they're doing. I think the play calling and, and especially, which I was, when I, when I go back and rewatch all the pre-snap motion, pulling defenders far away, making so much space. I think a lot of that is helping the O-line and giving them just one person to have to worry about instead mm-hmm. of having them, you know, have to take on two people, which they really struggled earlier in the year when they had to take um, mm-hmm. double um, coverage. So I think that the play calling itself is massive in helping. And he says, you know, the way they practice over the week, if they practice and play well over the week, then they get to have those fun, you know, they get to have the confidence for him to have some, you know, fun play calling and the things mm-hmm. that they're practicing is like he said, it's not for his health. It's because they want to go out and do it on Saturday. <laughs> so I think the really key moment in the press conference this week is when he talked about, you know, we talked about Casey Thompson's leadership, right. And his running this new game plan and you with tech, well, was it a difference in quarterbacks? Could Texas have gone in and won in Arkansas with Casey? We don't, we'll never know, but mm-hmm. yeah, um, but I think like it would be closer. Right. Oh, it would have been way more competitive. We can all argue that, I think. But I think like you mentioned before, Megan, Casey is in the film. Like he's he's taking this job so seriously, taking the opportunity, but the opportunity is coming confidence. This is what Sark had to say about Casey's preparation. I do think 
Um, Casey, in particular, really owns the game plan. Um, I think he, he dives into it, he prepares, he studies, he knows what we're trying to do. Um, and in turn, you know, he stresses to the guys uh, the notion of maybe if we're trying to go fast to get lined up, he stresses to the guys about a specific split by a receiver. Um, he'll stress to the running back, you know, a reminder to get out in this route um, because he knows he's vital in the check down for him on the play. But, but that comes because he prepares really, really well. And I think, you know, he's seeing the benefits of that. And obviously we are too. We are too. Thoughts? And I think, I can't remember, maybe it was one of you who reposted it, that Casey, even when he was playing behind Sam, he would just watch hours upon hours of film after games just to stay prepared, even though he knew it was likely that he was not going to play. And I think that's just telling for somebody who stuck around behind a quarterback like Sam Ellinger to play for this team, that he is that bought in. And I think it really showcases when he plays. Yeah, I agree. Casey is a student of the game. Mm -hmm. He kid is in the film room or he's in the playbook he stays ready. You know, we saw that again at the Alamo Bowl when he got thrown in. We've seen it now. Like, even when he came in way too late at Arkansas, kid was ready. He wasn't playing like they were behind. He was playing like they were in it to win it. I mean, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's one of his strengths. He's he's a smart football kid. He knows what's going on. He's He is ready and prepared. And one of the intangibles, I think, that we don't talk about enough with Casey Thompson is he is just that calm, collected leader. This team is playing better behind Casey because Casey is the guy, just like Sark said, he's directing his team. He's seeing, mm -hmm. knows where everybody should be. And if he sees even just one little thing off, he's fixing it. Hey, be here, get ready, step up. Mm -hmm. Here we go, we're in motion, right? He's, he is prepared on every level and knows what every body on his team is supposed to be doing and when. And he's the one that's getting behind him and saying, all right, man step up. Here's where we're at. Let's do this. And, and he's got that quiet confidence mm -hmm. and, and that leadership that I, that we, we weren't seeing earlier in the year. I know when you mentioned his confidence, Sark said that, you know, he's has the opportunity, he's had success from that opportunity. So of course he's going to start building some good confidence and he's going to need that confidence going into, you know, on the road. Okay. So the last time they went on the road was the Arkansas game. And of course he wasn't the starter and he played well when he came out, he should have some confidence um, that he can take on a hostile crowd. I don't know how hostile you can tell us, Megan, how hostile is TCU going to be at 11 AM? They're not. I don't remember last year when we, last time we were there two years ago, I don't remember what time. Are they ever came, a hostile crowd? No, they're not. See, and that to me, that is some of, and, and I will, I'll give Mark Pena credit for, for saying this too. Listen, one of the most painful things about us being so terrible about a mediocre of a long running mediocre TCU team is that they don't have to get up to beat us. Patterson has his guys ready. They, they hate Texas. Patterson hates Texas probably more than any coach out there. I don't think there's a question with that, but man, let me tell you the TCU crowd. I, I mentioned this. They are just a wine and cheese crowd. They don't care. They're, they're there for the, you know, to, the camaderie and to, to party. Mm -hmm. Their tailgates are terrible, y'all. They I'm, don't, yeah, they don't they have weren't the very... chip on their shoulder that tech fans do. Tech right. fans have the chip on their shoulder about Texas, and they always have. And Lubbock at night, when they're playing Texas, that's a hostile crowd. It is. It is. It's a crazy place to be. And I can't say that I've ever been 
to a TCU, like to a game at TCU where I've gone, man, they're really up for this. They're really excited. Yeah. Do they have their moments? Of course. Yes. You know, that stupid bell that they rang in the foghorn or whatever it is, but yeah, it, there are times that they get hyped up, but for the most part, TCU is not the most hostile place that we are going to go into. And I certainly don't think we see that at an 11 a.m. game in Fort Worth. It's you no Fayetteville. Exactly. Exactly. So um, I think the keys to this game with TCU, Texas has got to show up and play like they care. That's been mm-hmm. the biggest shift, right? And, and we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I, I want to really reiterate, I do feel like these kids are starting to have fun again. Some of these older, you know, previous Texas teams that we've seen in the most recent years past, they've had the talent. They've been this, these incredibly mm-hmm. you know, four or five stars or really motivated three stars. They're these really highly talented teams that just don't seem to give a shit, you know? And, and Quan had mentioned something at the Arkansas game. These guys have to hate to lose more mm-hmm. than they love to win. And I do think we've started to see that shift after the Arkansas game. I think the guys are going out there and they're remembering what it's like to have fun playing football again. They're remembering, hey, man, this is a fun game. And when we do our shit properly, we have a really good time. I think they're not worrying as much about the outcome of winning so much as they are having a good time and it's showing on the field. So I want them to remember that at Fort Worth at 11 o'clock in the morning when people aren't necessarily super hyped, go out and have fun, smash some mouths, man. Let, let's, let's see them come out hyped. That's what I really, really want to see from this team. I think one of the biggest differences I've seen in the games that we have won this year, with the exception of maybe Arkansas, is how much cleaner of football it has been as well. I think just in the past couple of years, especially at TCU, I just remember it being a sea of yellow flags. And that isn't something you've seen with this team. It hasn't, those mistakes haven't been super damaged. Those, those are what made that Texas Tech game last year go into overtime. It was the little mistakes that would pile up and end in tons of penalty yards. And you haven't seen that with this Sarkeesian team. So it's, that's what I think they need to maintain going forward to beat these teams that should be wins on the schedule. It shouldn't be, we shouldn't be losing to TCU seven right. times out of the past nine <laughs> that shouldn't right. be the case and I think if they can continue the clean football the non-dramatic football <laughs> then I think it'll be and my my blood pressure would appreciate the non-dramatic football <laughs> maybe you can add some of these years that I have taken off of my life from these past A few less wrinkles years. in the forehead <laughs> well you know you're right you're right Amanda uh, Texas is now one of the least penalized teams in the country we were being one of the worst the undisciplined um and now even even the o-line like we were just so even it happened a little bit earlier in the season we're like no and then they've cleaned it up and they're down to just a couple penalties a game which is huge because it could be a drive killer you know if you're at second and ten and then now you're third and really long because silly penalties it makes a big difference and yeah. And they, even though one thing I think we talked about what they do need to clean up at TCU that they've been able to get by with rice and our, and um, tech was being at second and 20 or third mm-hmm. and 18. And they are come, getting out of it. They're still driving, scoring mm-hmm. touchdowns in almost every drive. If he doesn't throw an interception, it's a touchdown. And nine times out of 10, it's a touchdown Casey Thompson, but the, putting themselves in these long third downs or, you know, things like that. I think that 
you can't, that it's not going to work at TCU, Mm-mm. right? TCU's defensive mind is way better than tech or rice. So getting into these long third downs is they got to watch that. Yeah. They've got to put themselves in a position to succeed. So, and I agree as the, as we go into this tougher gauntlet at these away games and or neutral sites, you're right, Rocky, we have to clean it up. We have to keep this really crisp to your point though. I I did. And I'd have to double check these numbers, but I think I saw that Texas is the least penalized team in the country right now. Right now we stand, I want to say at a hundred and it's either 120 or 127. I'm going to switch these numbers, but um, Texas has been penalized for 120 yards total this season compared to last year, we were penalized one game when we were hundred yards. OU. We were penalized 127 <laughs> yards just against OU. Ugh. So massive improvement there. And I, I agree. It's those small little things that are going to make a huge difference. We were shooting ourselves in the foot. You know, we talked about how many games last year we won or lost by a very small margin. It's about and to say, if you think up. about the small margin losses, how many of those games would have been changed if it was just half as many penalties? Exactly. If we weren't fighting, you know, 127 mm-hmm. yards against ourselves. Yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So I think that is one of the the smaller things that isn't necessarily going to show up in the stats, you know, just and jump out off, off of the page, but it is something that's making a massive difference. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think our special teams, listen, I got to give our boy Blake Gideon a shout out too, because our special teams are showing up. We, we have some plays you know, hated to see that that run back get called back for, for a silly uh-huh. penalty. But again, there you go, another silly penalty. Um, but special teams play has improved so much the past few years. I would almost, you know, cover my eyes and, and watch the play of special teams between the cracks of my fingers. Is he going to drop the ball? Yeah, man. It was a crap shoot every time. You didn't know what was going to happen and not in a good way, right? No. It wasn't. You weren't ready for these big explosive plays going our way. So I feel that that anxiety has been taken away a little bit. Mm -hmm. Our our guys are ready to go. Getting uh, uh, Keelan back there and, Mm -hmm. you know, alongside Jameson, I think that has been a really exciting thing to watch. And now you've got two guys that'll just turn on the burners and take off and they got the moves too, right? Mm -hmm. I've, I've been loving watching that. So Special teams, I, I agree. I think really where we've seen the small things pay off the most has been penalties or, or lack thereof, thank goodness, mm-hmm. and special teams play. I think that's made a massive difference this year. Mm-hmm. Field For position sure. is really nice this year when on special teams. <laughs> that's really <laughs> nice. Yeah, getting back to TCU on the road this week, um, we said it's not going to be the most hated environment, right? And it's 11 o'clock and Sark says he doesn't mind 11 o'clock works great with the way they've been training. They seem Mm -hmm. to be prepared and ready to go at 11. But I think the key to this for a Texas win is run the dang ball, which we've been Mm -hmm. doing and, you know, run to set up the pass. Sark says they're going to take, keep trying to get those deep shots. I'm not too much worried about that, especially if it's going to be a rainy Saturday. I don't think Mm -hmm. we'll exceed the explosive plays this weekend if it's just a messy, wet game. But TCU just gave up 350 rushing yards to SMU. You know, I just just feel like that's just go eat, guys. We have four Mm -hmm. great running Mm -hmm. backs. Go run the ball. It's a crowded running back room and you love to see it. Love it. Yeah, it's it's fantastic problem to have. Looking at this right now. um, So again, this is from CJ Vogel. Robinson, 
Bijan is at 70 carries at 6.2 yards per carry with 426 yards. Mm-hmm. Rojo, 25 carries at 8.2 yards per carry with 205 yards. Keelan is at 23 carries, 7.6 yards per carry uh, with 170 yards. And Jonathan Brooks, we haven't seen a whole lot of him, but mm-hmm. on his 16 carries, he's averaging 6.9 yards per carry at 110 yards. Listen, anytime you've got one running back that is above seven yards per carry, We've got dang near four of them going on right now. Again, Bijan is at the lowest with 6.2, but he's carried the ball 70 times. So I agree. Our, our running backs are eating. And again, I think this is a result of the confidence that the O-line is starting to play with behind Casey Thompson, Casey being in there and directing the team. And then our guys just trusting the process at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, we heard from Sark earlier. They're starting to buy in. They're starting to really get it. They're starting to trust where they're supposed to be. Um, and, and we're really seeing that pay off. So, Rocky, mm-hmm. I have to agree. To me, keys to the game are just feed the ball to our hungry running backs. Let those guys go and do what they do. Um, I also think that we special teams are going to be key here as well. We want to always win that positive turnout mm-hmm. and get the positive yards. The yard uh, position is definitely going to matter. Um, and defense, we need to make sure that our guys, again, I think our secondary is really going to be important in this game. I want to see the D-line be pissed. I want to see mm-hmm. the D-line going after that quarterback like he insulted their mamas, right? Like <laughs> I want them just angry about everything. Um, but I really do think our secondary is going to need to step up and cover well mm-hmm. to give that D-line time to get in there and cause some havoc. I think they just need to put up two and seven in the locker room this week. And, and leave that up because that, that, I mean, that should be embarrassing. That that's embarrassing. These it's TCU. It's, it's not, it's not Alabama. You're two and seven, two over the past nine years. You're absolutely right. You know, I'd love to see, you know, when we talk about that bulletin board material, it was a couple of years ago that Patterson has said we've beaten better with less when he was talking about Texas, mm-hmm. man, you better let those words burn two and seven mm-hmm. and we've beaten better with less fuck you, man. Let's bring this in. Let's get angry. Who cares mm-hmm. that it's you? Who cares that it's Fort Worth? Who cares that it's, you know, 11 AM show up like the natty is on the line and just mm-hmm. eat, destroy mm-hmm. the guys and, and come out there angry. Well, I think mm-hmm. my favorite talking about the two and seven, you know, um, TCU, for the last 10 games, they've only won two the week before they play Texas. So they spend their lives looking ahead to Texas. <laughs> they just took a butt kicking at home this past weekend. So whether or not they are looking ahead or they just come get up for Texas, however it happens, they handle Texas. They're prepared for Texas. We're everyone's Super Bowl, right? Um, congratulations. We're your Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. this is when Sark was Rent asked, free. you know, Right. Sark has always says I'm where my feet are. And I love that comment. Like we can't look back, can't worry about what other people are thinking or doing. We are where we are. And this was his comment when he was asked. So, you know, the history of Texas losing to TCU. This is what he said. This is my favorite comment of the whole press conference yesterday. And we're going to show up Saturday at 11 o'clock and kick off and play football. Done. (laughs) Done. Don't worry about what you can't control. Don't worry about the past. Our job is to Show up, 11 o'clock, play football. It's so simple. And I think what's also funny is it's an, another more locker room bulletin board material. That quote from the legislature, the TCU legislature, the woman who graduated from them that was saying, well, we haven't we beat, haven't we beat Texas 
seven times in the past however much she got the she got the number wrong but uh, so she really didn't know all that much what she was talking about but I was like that that kind of thing needs to be played on loop too because TCU is one of the teams that's very bitter that Texas is leaving to the SEC but I mean why do you care so much about us sticking around (laughs) well losing that paycheck right yeah yeah no matter if Texas is up or down and and let's all be honest we've been down for a decade Mm -hmm. but even when Texas is down it still means something not only to the team that beats us but it means something to the voters you know it shows up in the AP polls Mm -hmm. Texas could not be ranked and you beat Texas and you're still going up in rankings right like Mm -hmm. that is just it it is Texas is still the powerful brand and still known for being good at football, even when we weren't great at football. Mm. So so I agree. This is something that they're going to have a fire lit under them. And we've got to show up every week. Like people hate us. And like, we are the Super Bowl because for the most part, we are everybody else's Super Bowl. Mm. You got to own that and be the big bad guy. And that's, that's what I want to see is Texas. I've been told working in this industry, it's either you're loved by everyone or you're hated by everyone, but you don't want to be anywhere in between because nobody cares. Right. And so, you know, (laughs) I love that. Well, Hey, look, I think we get, we get a bit of both. We are Mm -hmm. loved by a lot of people and then we're hated by it. There's you're right. There's no happy medium. I don't know many people that are apathetic about Texas. Mm -hmm. I certainly don't know any teams that are apathetic about. I know people in my own circle who have absolutely no relation to the university who went to a college that doesn't even play division one football, but they hate Texas. I'm just like, why? Why, why do you care that much? Right. Yeah. I'll go back to the Arkansas, you know, fans when we were up there, most of their people, most of the people that go to Arkansas are from Texas. Mm -hmm. I I found this out. Uh, Arkansas actually offers in-state tuition to Mm -hmm. Texas, you know, residents. So Mm -hmm. there's a ton of Texas people up there and it cracks me up. I'm like, you're from Texas and you hate Texas. All right. Okay. I see you. We 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 have a lot of Texas students all over the SEC now for tuition reasons, admission reasons. You know, it's so tough to get into the top schools here and they're offering them great scholarships. Good for them. They're going to get an education, but I think half the kids now in our high school are at Ole Miss or, um, you know, Arkansas or wherever, because can't get into Texas or A&M. And so they're going out of state and getting in a full ride with Texas tuition too. So I think that's the, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I could have gotten a full ride at Ole Miss too, but you know, I wanted a real education. <laughs> well, then <there's> that. <laughs> Shots fired girl. Dang. No, I love it. Yeah. I, I mean, look, Hey Rocky, we've got to do your predictions, right? If we're going to, we're going to move on. We got to close out this TCU talk. So let's do some predictions. And this time I'm going to switch it up because you're always the one asking us. So Amanda, go ahead. Give us your prediction for the TCU. <sighs> okay, I'm going Texas, I think, is going to be in the 42 range. That's, that's sir, I, I like the way their offense has looked, but I'm still a little concerned about our defense and their tendency to give up explosive plays against Texas Tech. So I'm going TCU 35. I think it's going to be close still. Ooh, the infamous 45-35 score that we saw you know, back against you. All right. I like it. Rocky, how about you? What do you got? Okay. First, I want to say last week when we guessed tech, I said 58 to nothing. And that was probably the closest to the actual score. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because of the weather, I'm going to say, normally I would say, yeah, this is a chance for them to get some explosive plays on Texas. I agree. That's an opportunity for any school who can even have throw the ball. Mm -hmm. Um, However, only because the weather is going to keep it more of a ball in hand kind Mm -hmm. of game. That and because 
I'm, I'm just going to say it's a little bit lower scoring affair, um, and, but, but Texas will still put points. I'm going to say, but I do agree with you, it's a close game. Um, I'm going to say more in the 33-24 range, Texas. Okay. All right. I like it. Well, I'm going to blow this one out. I think that Texas shows up. I think the running backs are hungry. I think our team is finding their groove. And I think TCU doesn't know what hit them. I'm going to say Texas 45-21. I like uh, it. I like yeah. confidence. Look, look, I like it when Texas is considered. I, I think our guys are going to take this short line that we have, this real small line that we have, and that's been moving back in TCU's favor. I think they're going to take that kind of thing personally um, and that idea and, and run with it. So I want to see the big nasties show up. I want to see a strong ground game. So, yeah, Texas 45-21, that's my call. Nice. Well, awesome. before the season, TCU was a one-and-a-half-point favorite. And then the line moved almost six and seven for Texas. Now I'm seeing it at four and a half or five. So people don't know where to go with this game. So here we go. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yay. Good job. All right. So let's, we like to have rapid fire questions after we round up all our good talk. And these are just fun things to say what's on the top of your head. And it kind of gives us, gets a chance for people to know us (laughs) a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I have a couple of questions. Okay. First. We need to know, Amanda, everybody wants to know who's your, who are your NFL teams? Do you have an NFL team? I have two. So I have an AFC and an NFC. I'm going to go with the Chiefs over the Cowboys first. Chiefs is my main team now. Cowboys secondary, but I cheer for them both the same. But if they were playing each other, I don't know. I might have to do Chiefs. The Cowboys have just pissed me off too much. much jared jones the cowboys have the best press box i've ever been in in my life so if i'm covering a team i'm gonna go sit in that silver star box in the cowboys <laughs> press box and get the three course meal that jerry jones serves up beautifully and drink the free budweiser tap it is an experience up there you fancy girl you fancy. yes prime rib yeah he had prime rib in the press box that's great. bananas that's great I'll be at the Cowboys game this Sunday, which was supposed to not be a competitive game, but now Carolina is undefeated. So that's going to be a fun oh. game, but I will not be in the silver star press box. Sorry. I will be in whatever seats we got. So <laughs> tell us, here's the question. Probably expensive. Though. Just the same. <laughs> here's, here's the rapid fire question though. Is your team going to the Super Bowl? Yes. I, yes. They, 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 have, they have a good history of that chiefs. I'm saying chiefs, they, they've had a rough start, but I wow, think they okay. can still make it. I like the confidence. I like the confidence. All right, Megan, I was with you when we watched Detroit Lions fight back. And I said, Megan, you're going to win this. You're going to win this. And of course, broke and, and what did I tell you? Justin what did I tell you when you said Megan that? said, we'll find a way to lose. I said, no, look how far back they are. They have no time. And Justin Tucker broke an NFL record to beat you. Is your team going At to At least it was Justin Tucker. At least it was Justin right. Tucker. Look, that's my only solace. And, and I will say, I say this all the time. I'm going to keep reiterating it mostly because I need, need to hear it myself. I can no longer be hurt by my NFL teams. I'm a Lions and a Texans fan. My, my, oh. my team knows no boundaries, right? Like, but the beautiful thing about the Lions is they are nothing if not consistent. They will always find new and creative ways to break your heart. And this past weekend was no exception to that rule. So yes, I, I do have to say, yeah, it, look, if it's going to happen and the NFL record is going to get broken and this impossible kick is going to be made to win the game, at least it was Justin Tucker. I can be happy about that and then die a little on the inside, but still be happy while I'm doing it. So yeah, look, my Texans are terrible. My Lions are terrible. Are we going to the Super Bowl? Absolutely not. I don't know that we'll go to the Super Bowl in my lifetime, for God's sake. No, they Again, won't. 
the, the Lions had Barry Sanders and couldn't get there. So yeah, like I, 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 I don't I even just, think your Detroit Lions are allowed to buy tickets to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> the only way Detroit Lions are going to touch the Super Bowl is when it's hosted at Ford Field. And, <laughs> and they, they get, get to walk then. The I don't even right. Know. Even then, probably not. They might be banned from the building at that point. Yeah. <laughs> well, despite my Aggie quarterback doing everything he can to give the game away, um, my Titans are still winning and we're going to Super Bowl. All right. <laughs> All right. Next question. Take out aside the emotional, is it motivation? Is it bulletin board material? Does it just keep them on edge and working harder? Take all that crap aside. Resumes against resumes. Should Texas be in the top 25? At the bottom of the top 25. Yes. But I think they should be in the top 25 because if they're your only loss is to a team that's now in the top 10. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, it wasn't their best. It wasn't a great loss. But I think why is Clemson in the top 25 and why is Texas not? Why is a two and two Clemson team that can hardly put points on the board in the top 25? Right. I don't I don't think they deserve to be high in the top 25 because that 20 point deficit for Arkansas was not great. But I do think there's, if you're actually looking at the quality of play and what the score could have been, but I mean, I feel like a lot of these AP voters don't even watch the game at this point. So that is um, exactly, girl, I swear we are sharing a brain right now because (laughs) yeah, I have to, I, yes, Texas should be in the top 25. I don't think we should be any higher than 21 or 22. Like, I I think that that that's yeah, he's somewhere in there. That that feels fine. But it makes absolutely zero sense to me that a piss poor two and two Clemson team is still hanging on in the top 25. We've got OU in the top 10 when they have looked not great this year. They I mean, they were hanging with a bad West Virginia team at home. That doesn't make any sense to me. I uh, you know, AM, I think they're they're I I I think them dropping makes sense. Arkansas is a good team moving up. That makes sense. But I have to agree with where the rankings are right now. All that tells me is AP voters are just looking at scores and not games. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I yep. think it's crazy that they're not now. I'll at the, the end of the day, yeah, I'd no. rather be underranked than overranked. Right. But right. I'll, I'll put the yep. emotion back into it and say, I think this is going to be a motivator because everybody's counting us out. And I think our guys are going to play with a chip on their shoulder mm-hmm. because of that. Um, and yeah, historically, Texas, once they start to get ranked, kind of has been a little disappointing. So let's yeah. keep let's, let's tamper those expectations. But yeah, realistically, I think we should be we should be in the low 20s or excuse yeah. me, high 20s somewhere. All right. Well, you mentioned it, Megan. OU struggled at home with West Virginia. After he threw that interception yeah. here in Norman. Take a listen. The chance is we want Caleb as in Caleb Williams, the backup quarterback, true freshman. So OU fans, classy as ever, boo. I mean, every, every fan base has done it. Texas has done it. Treated our own player shitty. I'm not going to throw cast stones or whatever. Should Texas, next week when we play OU, as soon as Rattler gets the ball, should the entire <laughs> Texas crowd start shouting, we want Caleb. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we're not their own fans, so it doesn't look as bad. Their own fans cheering it. I mean, why would we not? Yeah, look, Megan, get it going. I, I, I gotta say, 
I'm, I'm different on this. I think it is embarrassing no matter what. I, these are still kids, man. Yeah. I think it's a shitty look. I am, as a Texas fan, am I happy to see that happen again, like with OU and them kind of self-destructing and maybe that's getting into Rattler's head? Yeah, I, I, you love to see it, right? But at the same time, just as a human, I'm like, God, that is trash. Oh, it's you shitty. Gotta, I hate it. Even Michelle. You got to feel for him. If so, you think about it, when, when, when we were playing Arkansas and Hudson Card wasn't doing so well, did you hear a bunch of Texas fans cheering for the backup? No. Right. Why, Listen, why I, would you I, cheer for the player that's on the field to be unsuccessful? Right now, I will be the first to say I was screaming that Casey should have been in eight minutes into the second quarter. I, I mean, I, I felt that deep within my soul, but that's because what I was watching, but I would never actively chant against my own player that's in openly mm-hmm. at the game. That's just and, and on insane television too, man. Like, again, I love to see it in the, the sense fact that they picked that up so clearly. Is right. So I mean, and recruits were there and it was a thought on social media. It was a huge recruiting weekend. And if you think that didn't impact the kids that were at the game, the recruits that were there, you got another thing coming, man. Like, And I have to say, I have, there's a OU player who I went to high school with. We graduated the same year. I don't know if you remember him, Zach Sanchez. He was a cornerback, I believe. He's a very good player. He regularly gets into tiffs with OU fans on social media that are just awful to him. And it makes me a little mad. I'm like, these, like, you put your blood and sweat on the line for OU for how many years? And these fans are just treating you as so atrociously like they've ever done anything for OU? No, they weren't the one on the field catching interceptions. And, but I mean, he puts them in their place like he should. But at the same time, it's just. I love it when players openly step up and call out bullshit fan behavior. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people say, oh, be above it, be above the fray, but social media is a part of our life, right? And mm-hmm. fan interaction is a part of their life. And at a certain point, I got to agree, man, enough is enough. Call out that crap. Mm-hmm. It is ridiculous. Now, so do I think, do I smirk at the idea of Texas fans doing that to mock OU? Yeah, absolutely. I just feel my dad would absolutely eviscerate me if I did something like that. I was always raised to cheer for your team, cheer not for your own team. Either, yeah. Right. You're cheering for their backup quarterback. Yeah. Let's yeah. support both teams. Come I like on. it. If, look, Megan, ask, make it happen. You're going to be yeah, there. Make it look, happen. Ask, ask me this question when I'm, you know, seven drinks in and it might, <laughs> it might be a different conversation. We want Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> First and 10. We want Caleb. <laughs> All right. Moving on. A little NFL question. Brady and the Bucks go to the Patriots, right? Belichick's still the Patriots. Um, I think we all know, but what's your answer? Was it Brady or was it Belichick? Brady. Uh, I, I'm going to say a bit of both. Belichick yeah. is an incredible, you know, football coach, but yeah, man, he had the generational quarterback, as it were, and Brady made him. And win. I mean, Brady goes on and wins another Super Bowl at his new, new, like yeah. nothing, like nothing, like nothing. against oh, my yeah. Chiefs. Crazy, it's yeah. crazy. And I, I will be the first to say, Brady's the goat. There's no question. I personally can't stand the dude. He I, I want him way. to retire for my own. I, I'm so I know my guy, 42 years old. Or so, he's going to be out there with a freaking Walker still winning games. But exactly. Yeah. But yeah. So look, I'm not going to discount what Belichick did and what he brought. I mean, deflate gate was super fun. Right. But, yeah. 
but yeah, it's Brady all the way. Rocky, yeah, what do you yeah, think? Because we all destroy our own cell phones when we have nothing to hide. Right. Um, <laughs> toss yeah. it in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I think it was 78% Brady, 22%. <laughs> I appreciate the science behind that. All right. Last question. We have four games this week in college football against ranked teams. Tell me which one you're most excited about. Eight, Arkansas at two, Georgia. Seven, Mm -hmm. Cincy at nine, Notre Dame. Twelve, Ole Miss at one, Bama. And this is really weird. How are these two teams ranked? 21, Baylor at 19, Oak State. I'm never going to be excited for anything Baylor is competing in ever in my life. Um, so we're going to go Arkansas, Georgia. I think that'll be the most telling. That'll be what, that'll be how we tell, is this Arkansas team really legit? Are, are they as legit as they look? I mean, beating AM's and one thing, but AM, they don't, they have a backup quarterback there. I, I think they've been overranked. I, that one, and then Ole Miss, Alabama, I'm always kind of excited to see if there's a team that could upset Alabama, especially because right now it looks like Alabama is just better than absolutely everybody and is going to win a national title again. And I think everybody's just nauseated thinking about that for the upteenth year in a row. And Alabama is <laughs> so. not what they normally are and they're still better than everyone. Right. Yeah. Well, and everybody else is down, right? When right. again, we've got Clemson, when, when, once you take away that generous generational quarterback from Dabo, all of a sudden he's pretty average. So interesting. Um, yeah. I've, I've got to say the Arkansas Georgia game is the one that I'm most interested in, but that's because I'm selfish and I want to, I want to see really where they're at, you know, a mm-hmm. team that'll help gauge where Texas is at. I, I mm-hmm. really so um, yeah, most interested in that. Now I will say I'm interested in the Notre Dame and Cincy game because Cincy kind of seemed to come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're top 10 rank, you know, you announced that they're coming to the big 12 and all of a sudden, holy crap, they're winning some games. So yeah, I think that'll be interesting just to see the future of the big 12 and, and how that'll play out. Um, and Notre Dame, uh, a lot of people hate them. A lot of Texas fans hate them. I, I don't hate them. I've had a great experience up there. So mm-hmm. I think that I'm going to be watching that game. Uh, intently and, and shout out to our guy KD right mm-hmm. Kevin he, he's a Notre Dame guy too so he, he'll Notre Dame, Dame is probably one of the stadiums I've always wanted to visit and I've always it I've, was I've never had such a, a bad experience was really <laughs> the fans were great and welcoming and they took us from tailgate to tailgate to tailgate hung out with Golden Tate at the tailgate like it was awesome the actual stadium looked like a small high school stadium that has not been thought about or renovated or invested in in 15 years. Okay, look, I I will agree with some of that, but I thought the history of that stadium was really cool. Seeing Touchdown Jesus when you're in the stands was cool. But yeah, I mean, it's it's an older stadium that probably could use a little bit of love. I felt that way about the Coliseum, though. To me, the Coliseum Mm -hmm. was just garbage. It was, yeah. Cool. It's old. And the Olympics were held here back when my grandparents were still, you know, young and spry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I thought the atmosphere of Notre Dame was really, really cool. Beautiful campus. Mm-hmm. Rocky, I agree. Oh, it's that- a beautiful campus. The actual stadium was not an inspiration. And then, of course, getting our butt kicked with Charlie Strong as the coach also yeah. made it. Not um, ideal. We're all just anyway. still residual bitterness <laughs> from that game. So. All right. Um, the one I'm looking most forward to, I agree, Arky at Georgia is, I think, the the top 10 matchup, the most intriguing. And of course, we want to see how real, real, real is 
Arkansas, I don't expect them to go into Georgia and win, but I expect them to go in and dogfight, right? So I, that's going to be, yeah. right, that's going to be a good match. But of course, the match of the week is Texas going to beat TCU, and that's what we're most worried about. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, good job, ladies. Thank you so much. Again, we missed Hannah today because she is sick. She has laryngitis and her voice is gone. So we missed you, Hannah. Um, we know you will get back with us ASAP, and we'll go ahead and close it out. I'm Rocky. I'm Megan. And, and I'm Amanda. <laughs> love it. We got her standing and we are fire the cannon. Yes, sir.